This is a legit, low-key kickback sesh of TB4C, just hanging out, shooting the shit, may or may not speak for the next 10 minutes. Yep. We are about to dig into the, uh, what the hell is this, Crown Royal Apple? You know Um, what they call in France? The Royal Apple? Crown Royale. (laughs) Crown Royale with cheese. That that might be the worst joke we've made yet on the show. Uh, we had to have made worse. No, that's, that's actually that's pretty at least good. Funny, yeah. yeah, and referential, and some a callbacky. There's elements of comedy in there. It adds. Up. I feel like that. I feel like that describes my humor the best. Elements of comedy. The the math of comedy without the execution. Right. Superficially, what you've said resembles a joke, mm-hmm. and yet. <laughs> It's not funny. It had the cadence of humor, but uh, none. So I'm I'm sort of hypnotized by the grip clip behind your head that has your name on it. Yeah, man. Scrawled in blood. Trust no one. You got to put your name on everything. Especially working in this town. The Holly Weird. I wonder if people can hear the train, the lonesome mystery train in the background. Yeah, it's transporting uh, probably two planks of lumber. Yeah, it's not quite as bad as the uh, the 3 a.m. train that comes through, but, uh, you know. Sun Valley seems like somewhere Elvis oh, Presley would record if he were alive today. It seems like a place Elvis Presley would drink himself to death. Yeah. yeah. This, uh, Sun Valley seems like the place Pr- Presley would go if he were unsuccessful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, no one wanted those rock and roll records, so yeah. here I am. His cousin Jim Presley. Whoa, that's the first time I've heard an airplane over here in a long time. They must change the What's flight What's that path. sky train I hear over here? Exactly. Trains, planes, and automobiles. There's a sky train. No, we can't afford that. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, wait, no, that was parody. Uh, that was parody. <laughs> We're okay. Yeah. Yay. I'm sure I made this joke about like killing, like murdering someone as parody. Like, how far could you take <laughs> this? <laughs> it was a gag. <laughs> the uh, jackass defense. You stabbed him 13 times in front of his wife and children. Yeah, as a gag. Each stab was funnier. Yeah, it was a reference. <laughs> oh, you you shot him a uh, hundred and eleven times with a Gatling gun. Your Honor, have you ever seen RoboCop? <laughs> Clearly, a pastiche of the famous uh, ED. Was it ED eighty eight? Ed eighty eight. Yeah, Ed eighty eight. Ed two oh nine. Oh, what am I thinking of? IG eighty eight. What was the Ed from Star Wars? Oh, what the hell is that? Um, he is the cylindrical robot that is seen for about 47 R2-D2? frames. No, 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 no. He's in, you remember the scene in Empire Strikes Back where Vader walks by all the assassins and there's Lizard Man and there's Boba Fett and there's the other ones? Okay. So one of them was IG-88. It was just like uh android or a humanoid um, robot that was made out of cylinders of oh. Metal, so he's got a, a cylinder head, cylinder arms, legs. He's yep. nothing in the movie. You see him really for like less than two seconds. He's just standing there because they had to fill out the frame. They needed five assassins, whatever it was. That's special edition suit, right? No, he's in the original oh, really? because it was one of the many things, one of the many frames that fans got obsessed with and created oh, whole histories for. Gotcha. And so he has 
a very extensive uh, back catalog in the expanded universe and the video games and all that stuff. So there's a whole history of IG-88. Mm. And as a kid, he was one of these characters I felt like I really knew, even though, again, I'd seen him for one and a half seconds in the movie. <laughs> because I think, if I remember correctly, they had to glue him to the set hmm. because he was so shoddily constructed he couldn't stand up on his own. Oh, Jesus. Or someone's, like, holding him. It's something really embarrassing Man. because they were just, like, throwing it together. Like, oh, like you, you won't see him, and you don't. Like, hmm. Vader walked by him. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, we need Lizard Man and Boba Fett and the rest of them just, like— Whatever, stormtroopers, who cares? It's kind of weird to think in like some alternate universe, Star Wars might have been like the plan nine from outer space. Of Well, it's uh, George Douglas has a great quote about it. He called the original Star Wars the most expensive low budget movie ever made. Mm. What was the budget there? Was um, I think it was 20 million in mm. 77. That doesn't Which seem even like today a low budget a, for 77. Well, no, it was it was pretty big for 77. Yeah. Today, for reference, it would be something like 90 million. Oh. Like, it's not— Is that adjusted for inflation? Yeah, or is that like saying. Hollywood dollar thing? No, adjusted for inflation would be $90 million. So it actually—it would be on the low side of a big—it would be like a— Oh, yeah, low side of a big blockbuster. It would be like but... a Deadpool as opposed to like an Avengers movie or something. Right on. It would be like, oh, they shot that in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. But those are usually the best movies, the ones that are, you know, on the periphery. But... No, the best movies are adult political dramas like Ides of March. Ides of March, best film ever made. Uh, Bullworth? <laughs> I do love Bullworth. That's a decent one. Warren uh, Beatty, come back. All is forgiven. Is, isn't he dead? Warren Beatty? Yeah. He he wouldn't care to hear that. No, he was. <laughs> Spreading rumors. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we do here. Spreading rumors like he used to spread his seed. Damn. I feel like we got real sexual. Uh, yeah, that's, um... That's uh, Deesprawls' influence. Yeah, that's what I would assume. The Lothario. Uh, <laughs> We were uh, way hung up on uh, how how attractive a man he was, and it just infested Again, the room. And I, I can confirm this with every girlfriend I've had, or every female I've stopped in the street to harass. Mm. They have confirmed to me, uh, ladies love a tall man. Hmm. Like you can take away everything else, he can be poor and homely. He can be a poor musician. He can have gold teeth. He can have uh, fifteen feet. They, as long as he's tall. What, what qualifies as tall? Well, you know what? I have this conversation with my girlfriend probably every day because I tell her I'm <laughs> Am tall. Am I tall enough, baby? Am I tall enough? No, I say, <laughs> I call myself tall and she says, you're not tall. And I say, I'm taller than the average man, which yeah. by definition makes me tall. What? Tall is a relative thing. Like, you, like you're implying, I think. Yeah. I you're, think that what are you, six foot? No, I'm like, I'm not even 5'11". I'm just really? under 5'11". Oh. Yeah. Do you think I seem tall? I think it's the hair. Yeah. It adds a few inches. Yeah, you're not the first person to say that. I fucking hate this. Why I periodically shave my head. <laughs> Do I seem tall now, bitch? No, you don't. <laughs> Damn. Um, I think it's because I wear uh, tight-fitting corduroys. Mm, yeah, yeah, it has a... Lines. Uh, yeah, yeah, that whole uh, upward momentum. I'm like a, a Blondie cover album, or album <laughs> cover. Parallel lines. Wheelman's got legs for days. That's right. <laughs> I got gams. Um... Yeah, no, but stuff. really, and I don't know what it is, like, they will take a tall man over a short, ripped man. Mm. Like, you could have a, a flawless physique, but if you're five foot four, they would rather have, like, a chubby six foot two man. Don't want no short, short man. Keep going. That's all I know. Rap a little bit about why tall men are attractive. Just rap. Rap. Ding, ba-dum, ba-dum, ding. Boom. Ding, ba-dum, ba-dum, ding. Boom. 
ting to boom ba ding ding boom short people got ding nobody are you doing right people got yeah that's we actually could afford that probably we can't afford early no way he's got that fucking toy story money man that's what i'm saying we can't afford early newman oh yeah that's true he's probably giving away short people that's uh just throwing it out like confetti. Yeah, yeah, totally. Just uh, you control people. You control people. <laughs> is that your uh, your racist uh, improv? Was that supposed to be my Randy Newman voice? No, I thought that was an Oprah. Oprah, I don't think talks like this. She does in my head. She, she does. Welcome, <laughs> yeah. my guest. Hello. <laughs> yep. I've never. I can't even. I don't even know what accent I'm doing. Not a clue. You, your new diet's fantastic. <laughs> it's almost a uh, Travolta. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm doing like a Pennsylvania Christopher Walken or something. Oh, like yeah. a deer hunter Christopher Walken. <laughs> you need the random commas, but uh, to smooth that out or walking it out. This is amateur hour. Taking it for a walk-in. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just revel in the silence. Mm. Mm. It's like a sauna for the ears. <laughs> the sound. Think about all the people right now who are, like, cooking eggs while they're listening to this, mm. walking in and out of the room, knowing the conversation is irrelevant. <laughs> Why do you waste your time on a show that doesn't matter? Why do you, I mean, you know, raging against the dying of the light. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Raging. Immortality. I feel like most people don't have rage within them. Really? I feel like most people are irritable at best. Is this why so many people are so stupid? Again, we had this conversation. People, I don't think people choose to be stupid. I think people are stupid. I always tend towards the ignorance is bliss thing. Like, I think they don't know because they don't want to know. That might be part of it. I don't, I don't think people choose to make bad or dumb decisions. I think rather than choosing to be evil, most people, I guess it goes along with what you're saying. They don't want to know. And they don't they don't choose to be bad or to be wrong or to be cruel or spiteful or whatever. I think most people just they don't like the responsibility of choice and they don't like knowing things and they don't like the complication of imperfect options. And so people would rather just float above the complexities of life. I think there's a degree of selfishness that is kind of uh, run rampant in our society, at least. Um, selfishness yeah like what preserving your life at all costs um well yeah i mean which is the human imperative not necessarily i mean the um the preserva- preservation of the uh the clan is more um uh more you, ingrained than uh i think individual would you lay down your life for your fellow man um very few of them, but yeah. Let me ask you a question, John. I mean, I don't value my life very much, though, so that doesn't really... Well, let's say we're recording this podcast, mm-hmm. and one of our many, many haters mm-hmm. throws a grenade into the room. Mm. Are you belly flopping down on this bad boy? Um. Yeah, I mean, that's a weird one, because I always think there's a better option than that, but... Right, uh... let's say, okay, <clears throat> let's say our enemies have found us at long yeah, last. Yeah. Let's say they throw a grenade in here. Are mm-hmm. you belly flopping down on that bad boy? Um, no, cause I'm a pussy too. I mean, that's, you know. So what are you going to, oh, you going to go back first? Yeah. Well, I'll grab Yuri and we'll run to the other room and hope we make it. Um, but yeah, Yuri Gagarin, the cat and me will live out the rest of civilization in a blown up bedroom. Hmm. Yeah. He'll run out of food quicker than me though. So, although then I'll have food. But what if a little bit of shrapnel gets your foot on the way out? Um, and so you, then you're known from then on as Sean the Limping Coward. Well, then I get the gangrene from the diabetes. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I would love to have is gout and then following the gout, a rascal. <laughs> I guess that is the the advantage to uh, to being a pudding-headed pig fucker. Yeah. yeah. Gout. Yeah. And with gout comes the benefit. Right. To the victor goes the gout. That's the uh, the downfall of the hoverboard is that uh, everyone's going to get the, the diabetes and lose their feet and not be able to use them anymore. Graduate well, to a rascal. We're... <laughs> <laughs> Well, one of my favorite jokes in all of King of the Hill history mm. is the episode where Bobby gets gout and he's driving around and the, the neighbor girl, what's her name, Connie, Connie? Yeah. Connie comes over to look for him and then he drives by behind her on the rascal and uh, and she looks at him and she looks at Peggy and Peggy goes, I take it by your reaction, you don't know about the rascal. <laughs> and then they get in a fight later in the episode and Bobby goes, I got gout. <laughs> I, I think of that anytime I'm in like a, a corner conversation wise with my girlfriend or friends or whenever. If I'm in trouble for some reason, I don't know way out of it. I just want to shout, I got gout. Wow. Uh, Pity me. Pity me, my gout. Well, since we're on King of the Hill, the one that always comes to my mind is, uh, that's my purse. You don't know me. You don't know me, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's my self-defense King of the Hill mechanism. That's pretty good. Yeah. It didn't work, but, you know, in the few times I've been robbed. One of the funniest jokes also on King of the Hill was whenever um, Hank sees his mom having sex and goes blind, <laughs> but won't admit that he's blind. Totally. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like he slowly became one of the best characters in television history. Hank Hill. I don't know that it was all that slowly. I think it came out of the gate pretty hard. Well, he never has the best, well, very rarely has the best lines, mm. very rarely has the best uh, storylines. Like, everything kind of revolves around him. Yeah. But as it goes along, he becomes one of the most complex characters. He's, like, mm. a truly weird person. True, yeah. But his perversity is rooted in this desire to be normal. Yeah, This, yeah. like, murderous desire <laughs> to be a normal human being. Well, when and, you got to narrow your urethra, you got to make up for it in some way. <laughs> I think that's what's so appealing about him, is that he does have these very charming essence. Electricities, mm-hmm. but he tries not even downplay them. He denies them. Yeah, yeah, just blatant right. normality is. Whereas his son is sort of like a, a more accepting version of himself. Mm, yeah, it, well, I think that was the the main conflict is that Bobby was the self actualized. Right. Uh, yeah. 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 He he's Hank Hill who loves himself. Yeah, exactly. Which you know that's why it's adorable. Hank Hill, yeah, true. But that's por- why we identify with Hank. True portrait of American <laughs> self loathing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean that's. Um, sort of Mike Judge's bread and butter. Right. (laughs) Uh, But uh, I guess what I'm saying is he went from a joke, like especially in the Beavis and Butthead movie, he's just a, he's the butt of the joke. Like he's there. Oh, as Wilson, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, He is there to be humiliated. Yeah, yeah. And he becomes a very poignant, complex character over over the course of uh, King of the Hill. Wait, is the movie your reference point for Beavis and Butthead? Uh, Were you unaware of the show? Uh, I'm more familiar with the movie. Okay. Yeah, because I was like just old enough for Beavis and Butthead when they were airing. So, But clearly it's like the same character design. I know it's not the same character. Oh, no. Uh, Wilson? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is It is the same character. It's just a different name, but it is it, It's supposed to be. It's the same voice and everything. Whoa. Yeah, exactly. I think it's supposed to be the same character. Uh, I, I guess. I think that was more of a, a rights situation than oh. anything. Well, he becomes... Again, I, I think this happens slowly. You clearly disagree with me. But he, I, in my mind, he becomes a more sympathetic character as the show goes along. Oh, yeah, I can see that. He's more of the, the antagonist in the beginning. Well, and... yeah, he's more of just, he's sort of like a, just a hard-ass father figure at the beginning. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
Like he is someone that yeah. other characters play play off against. What is that? The the great Santini. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't feel like you're supposed to feel a whole lot for Hank Hill in those first couple of seasons. Okay. Yeah. He's I just could. sort of like a stock American dad. Yeah. Uh, true. Different show. No. But no. <laughs> you know, he is the like the Ur father. The Ur father. Uh, you are. You're over my head. No, I, uh, I'd say big the, words, but that's <laughs> two letters. Like the ancient ideal platonic uh, version, the thing from which all of their fathers sprang. Ah, uh, yeah, the Uberminge. Yeah, kind. Of, well, that's like Superman. Yeah, yeah. Ur is like the original incarnation of something. OG. Yeah, OG. Perfect. Right on. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to call you racist, but that's the opposite of racist. That's multicultural. That's embracing my. Yeah. Um, embracing your what yeah your people your tribe i don't know i gotta do one of them tests to figure out what my tribe is wouldn't it be great if you were like 98 percent african <laughs> aren't we all well i mean you well no not at this point oh, we well, all come from there yeah yeah, yeah. i mean so far there, back but then we were diluted with neanderthal blood and and uh white owl blood mm, well i mean if we if we all come from there then that's ultimately yes it all, <laughs> it all can trace back there i think the whole dna thing is like no it's the isolation recent, and yeah. the yeah yeah the yeah. evolution uh, like in the last few evolution. thousand years yeah. not hundred thousand years i mean you're right technically everyone's dna should say you're african <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, yeah that's uh i don't know one day maybe i'll get one of those uh are you are ancient aliens seeded from mars that's a whole nother thing um probably not mars but uh yeah maybe europa Andromeda? Yeah, yeah. Or uh, maybe uh, Battlestar. What's the worst science fiction movie, TV show, or novel that you've encountered? Star Trek. Which one? Star Trek. You got to pick one. The, the original? Uh, that's definitely mind-numbing. Yeah. Because it's utopian instead of dystopian? No, just nothing happened. Well, yeah, I guess that is the ultimate reason that nothing ever happens. There's no conflict. Well, that's why they have to leave the Federation, because everything's perfect. Uh, Everyone's happy. Everyone has food and clothing. Oh, yeah. That's why they got to go out and explore the final Right. Frontier. Otherwise, you don't have any conflict. Right. But they're, um, I, re- I saw the documentary about the original Star Trek, and they were talking about how that was like a huge thing in the writer's room. They were like all pissed off. Like, how can I write something without conflict? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, what's it was L. Ron Gene's Hubbard vision. or whatever his name? Not L. Ron Hubbard. Gene uh, Ronberry. Yeah, same difference. Um, Listen to me scratch my facial hair. Wow. The wheelman's becoming a man. Yep. That's disgusting. Are you going to blue man group yeah. over there? Or? Yeah, good mic going on over <laughs> here. Nice mic action. Well, you can finally hear yourself clearly, so that's been upgraded. Yeah. I can hear clearly now. No, definitely can't afford that. The cans are on. Man, you're cutting it close Come there. at me. <laughs> Disney, <laughs> whoever, come yeah. at me, rights holders. We can sing happy birthday, though. Mm. Not that we have a reason to. Finally, Paul McCartney's maniacal grip is oh, loosened. Man, fucking Beatles, I tell you what. Who is the worst Beatle? Well, that's too appley. The worst Beatle was all of us. <laughs> the worst Beatle was love. Wasn't there a Beatle that got fired? Yeah, all of them. Mm, well, they quit, but there was. A, wasn't there a fifth Beatle? Or is that like Pete Best, Best yeah, of Beatles? Yeah, is that the Well he got replaced. By Ringo? By Ringo. I mean there there are various people they call the fifth Beatle. They mm. call the producer the fifth Beatle. They called Billy Preston the fifth Beatle. You know who Billy Preston was? 
Uh, I assumed he was a producer, but uh, Billy Preston was an organ, a keyboard player. Oh, gotcha. So basically, when they were, <laughs> this is probably too esoteric. Is he like the wrecking crew of? Uh... So they did Sgt. Pepper, they did Magical Mystery Tour, mm-hmm. they did the White Album, and then they were basically about to break up, and they did, uh, they did Let It Be, um, and they were like, oh, let's film ourselves recording an album, and this is basically the closest they came to breaking up before they actually broke up. So they mm-hmm. filmed this. Documentary, which I is one of my favorite documentaries. I love it. Is I would this l- help. No, this is Let It Be. Oh, so they're recording the album Let It Be, gotcha. and it, you, you're seeing a band disintegrate in front of your eyes. Hmm. It's supposed to be. It was a project that was supposed to bring them together and just sort of highlighted the um, tensions and frisions and you know divisions between them and sort of showed these irreconcilable differences. Hmm. Uh, which, when you watch now, is fascinating. Because it's a band that is coming apart in front of you. And the disagreements are very raw and very real. Hmm. And the passive aggression <laughs> is so in your face. Um, and very so British yeah. and stiff upper lip. And- no, it's just like uh, like the most famous scene is Paul McCartney is basically telling George Harrison how to play this guitar solo on his, you know, because it's his song. So he's like, hey, George, play it this way. And he's like telling him note for note and showing him like intonations. Like, here's how I would play it. And George, at some point, leans over and he's like, I'll play it however you want me to play it. If you don't want me to play it, I won't play it. Just whatever's going to make you happy, man. <laughs> and it's just the Was anger that, uh, is it, so real. Oh, gotcha. It, it, they're just fed up with each other's shit. Yeah. And it's just fascinating to see a band at that level, at that point in their career, mm-hmm. exposing themselves in that way, which I can't imagine happening now. Mm-hmm. Of any band, not yeah, even I mean, that, that level, of any band truly showing that sort of raw ugliness well music is just so manufactured now like that it feels like there's well that footage definitely exists of bands what i'm saying is i can't imagine a band signing off on that sort of release oh okay of being like yes you the fans can see this like that footage definitely is there yeah um the closest thing i can think of is that wilco documentary but Hmm. even that like has a happy ending because they're like well you know we lost a founding member but we released this great album that got really good reviews and sold great Whereas Let It Be is regarded by most people as like one of the worst Beatles albums hmm. and was like the reason they broke up and just sort of the Beatles at their lowest ebb. Gotcha. But they still, they put it out there. Then they let people see, you know, the the ugliness and the downside. Warts and all. Yeah, of being in a band with people that you kind of hate by this point. Yeah. Um, and then after that, they did Abbey Road. And basically when they did Abbey Road, they were like, okay. Uh, on certain unconscious level, they're like, "This is it." So we're the Beatles. We're gonna go out on top. We're going, we're going to play nice for a few months, and then it will be over. To me, it's kind of amazing that all bands don't deteriorate into that. Like, oh, especially at that level. Yeah. When everyone in the world saying you're a genius, and the other three uh, are holding that's it back. True. I don't know. I was kind of thinking it's just as bad at the the lower levels, though. Too. I mean, oh, I I think success is the worst thing to happen to anyone. I don't. I understand people. People dealing with failure, that's just normal. Anyone can handle failure. I don't know how people handle success. Uh, Yeah, I think, you know, the power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And that's going to be a... Not not just that. Like, I know what you're saying, and that's totally true, of course. But just more like when you are successful at one thing, what do you do? Do you just do that thing again? Yeah, yeah. Do you pander? Do you play it safe? Or do you try to do something new do you risk being pretentious do you risk failure mm-hmm. do you follow your own muse do you listen to feedback like what do you do yeah you know what what like once you've succeeded at a certain level what's the next goal 
Because there's some people who they succeed early on beyond their wildest dreams. Again, this goes back to the Stallone thing. Just like text before calling. <laughs> Just like text before calling. You know, we hit it out of the park so early. Yeah. It's like if all you want to do is be successful, if all you want to do is not work a nine to five crummy day job and you become a it's musician, a goal. <laughs> an actor or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But once you've done that and you've achieved this yeah. next you know, uh, echelon of existence. Echelon. Is it echelon? That's what I've always thought. I'm sure it's right. Echelon <laughs> um, of existence. What do you do? You just like keep cranking it out? Mm. Yeah. I mean, if you want, if, I mean, it depends on your, your motivation. Yeah. So, you know, why did you get, you know, if your goal is just to not have to go back to that nine to five, I really don't see anything wrong with, you know, continuing to do that. But then as someone, you got nothing to say as an artist. It's like, what do you have to say? I want to escape. I want to be a star. I want to be successful. I don't want to be my father. I don't want to be my mother. I don't mm -hmm. want to be what I, I want to be something different than what I came from. Okay, you are. Now what? I don't know. I want to stay here. Yeah. That, I guess <laughs> that's a much less inspiring message of I want to keep what I have. Yeah. Oh, no, but that's just, I mean, vapid com consumerism. That's, right. you know, the culture that we've crafted for ourselves, the, the re reality stars and, you know, the idea that you don't need talent or even, you know, you don't even need to be wanting to be good, to to be noteworthy or to become a celebrity. You know? I guess that's why I love the Let It Be movie so much. I love the Let It Be album, too. That was the album I listened to most as a kid, even though, uh, of the Beatles albums, even though I, that and uh, White Album I listened to the most <laughs> because I'm just sort of fascinated by their imperfections. And the movie especially, I really can go back to over and over again because it accepts failure and it accepts human beings as as people who f try and fail mm. and I don't know. There's it something... shows them as less than the gods that we kind of assume they were. Yeah, like something like Revolver or Sgt. Pepper. These are like perfect albums and it's kind of in the same way like I, I don't care about Pulp Fiction. Like it's uh, such a well-crafted film I have nothing to add to the conversation. Like, mm -hmm. I have nothing to say. Like, you ask me what I think about Sgt. Pepper, like, it's a great album. Yeah. Good bass lines. Like, I don't know. Like, there's been so much written about and so much said about, like, what can I add to the conversation? I could go on forever about Let It Be because most people, if they care about the album at all, it's in a very dismissive way. Um, or The Clone Wars. Or The Clone? Or, yeah, Attack of the Clones. Oh, same difference. Clone Wars is a well-regarded TV show, so I have nothing to say about it. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I just, there's something about... The movie that showcases great artists as fallible humans that I find very compelling. Hmm. Not that I'm just interested in watching them fail, but what I like about Let It Be is that you have these moments where they're playing, you know, Long and Winding Road or Get Back or Let It Be, these great songs. And in between this, you have these just awful jams and these out-of-tune covers. And that sort of makes the great stuff shine so much brighter hmm. that you see them stumbling towards it. Whereas Revolver is just one perfect song after another and you almost take it for granted by by side two you know by the time you get to hear there and everywhere you're like oh yeah like one of the best songs ever written perfect harmonies uh you know exquisite instrumentation whatever there and everywhere is one of the best songs ever written yeah it's perfect as as a piece of songwriting it is perfect that was one of my least uh drawn to beatles tunes um, in terms of harm, I'm more of a Maxwell Silverhand oh, sort that's of guy. Great, I was obsessed with that song. <laughs> Again, great novelty song. Mm -hmm. Here, there, and everywhere. In terms of like melodic and harmonic development, mm -hmm. is like a model of songwriting. Gotcha. Um, it's not my favorite song, but mm -hmm. in terms of pure craftsmanship, it's like 
unparalleled. Hmm. Um, yeah, for the music nerds out there. Yeah. Um, my music knowledge all comes from my pizza delivering days when I was listening to, uh, what is it, 97.1, The Drive. <laughs> <laughs> well, Here, There, and Everywhere is like like a Bach piece or, so, or something in that like in the first 20, 30 seconds, it sets up all these harmonic tensions, and mm. then by the end of it, it sort of... Uh, methodically resolves all of them. Oh, that's too much thinking. I know, I know. It's too much thinking for the old noggin, for the old wang. Yeah, that's... Uh, I listen to music with my wang. Uh, I mean, that is a thing. Most people do. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. That, if you, uh, any dance floor in the country would probably this, agree if, with you. If this wangs are rocking. Yep, the grinding and the knocking. The uh, ground music. Ground music? Like... Peppercorn oh. music. Yeah. <laughs> See, peppercorn music just sounds like uh, bad line dancing. Or uh, that's what I'm gonna call it from now on. Anything that gets people dancing, I'm gonna call it peppercorn music. Peppercorn music. Yeah. Whether it's like trap music or like electronica or whatever, it's peppercorn music. I just kind of picture like a a monkey with a, an organ grinder thing. And I'm know. I'm picturing a monkey just with a pepper mill just grind. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's enough. I said that's enough pepper. I said that's enough. Right, like you got your uh, your carbonara over there, and it's like little little pepper, sir. Sure, that's good. What's a carbonara? It's a type it's of a pasta car? dish. Oh, that sounds fancy. It is. <laughs> is that like bow tie pasta? That's fancy. Bow tie pasta is what I'll be serving at my funeral. You're invited. <laughs> it's next week. Yay. I got invited to a party. Just remember to text before calling. Sean, can you handle me at my realist? Is this your realist? Then you don't deserve me at my... Finish the sentence. Nihilist? Nihilist? <laughs> yeah. oh, that's acceptable. Yeah. Nihilist. Yeah. I am the Neil who knocks. <laughs> you know, the person that kneels the best. Can you believe I referenced a TV show from the last 10 years? That is kind of amazing. Although King of the Hill was amazing as well. So, But that's a good TV show. You're saying that the one who knocks They don't call wasn't... it Breaking Bad for nothing. Damn. I've seen like three episodes. That's sad. It's a good one. No, it's good that I've used my life um, to promote cancer research, caring for the elderly, anything other than watching TV to what I promote. You've done none of those things. I've thought about it. <laughs> nuke the whales. I hardly even know her. You gotta nuke something. <laughs>